Oh, come on. I don't know about you, but I feel like I'm ready to preach. I mean, this got it is the atmosphere in this place today. Reach up and get something. Hey, June, all I'm saying is I'm next. I'm next. Anybody want to be next? I want to be next. It's like, hey, I'm next. I'm next. Listen, as God does those things, we got to give him back the glory. Amen. We got to give him the glory for that. So how many of you know that the, the word of God is alive? The name of the church is Living Word Fellowship. It comes after Hebrews 4.12. The word of God is alive and active. Say this after me. Say, this is my word. I can do what it says I can do. I can be what it says I can be. This is God's word. God said it. That settles it. So today, I open my eyes. I open my ears. I open my heart. To receive the word of God, to be changed, never to be the same, in Jesus' name. Now give the Lord a mighty shout of praise in this place. Hallelujah. I like it. I'm in the right church. Hey, turn with me to Philippians chapter 3. Um, there's a place that God wants us to get to. And, and June, I, I so thank you. I thank you for the testimonies that come forth on that. Because it's not something we do. It's Listen, this is not a magic wish, throw it onto the wall. It's taking God at his word and say, you will rebuke the devourer for my sake. And that's Malachi chapter three and four. You go and read that. You get into that thing. And he says, test me in this. So there's some things that I really want you to know that when we, when we apply the word of God, we've got to believe it and receive it. Say that with me. Believe it and receive receive it. So we've got to begin to believe it. We've got to receive it. The Bible tells us that in, in Mark eleven twenty four is that when we, when we pray, then we ask, and then we believe. We pray, ask, and believe, and then we already have it. Amen? So it's the part that we were, there were some times we talked about the part from where you pray, you ask, and you believe to the place shorty to where it shows up. It's in that place that the enemy tries to bring confusion. It's in that place that he tries to bring doubt. It's in that place where he tries to say, oh, does the word of God really work? So you've got to stay in faith. Somebody say, stay in faith. Tell your neighbor next to you, stay in faith. Here's what I know. Here's what I know. God's word is unique. God's word is inspiring. God's word carries authority. God's word can begin to change and shape things because the word is Jesus. Come on, and Jesus is the word if you, if you read it in John. And his, all, his word is infallible. So Philippians chapter 3, let's go back to chapter 2 real quick. I want to just do a little bit of review. How many of you really getting into Philippians? You got to start, read through it, read through it. I talked to a, a friend of mine, lives down there, uh, Duncan area down in that area. And, you know, and I was talking to him and I said, you need to read Philippians. He said, okay, challenge me, Pastor. He said, Chastel, challenge me. I said, read it and we'll talk on the phone. So he's, he's devouring that thing. He said, I'm going to read it this afternoon. You know, he said, I'm going to go read it right now. So I want to want to really review just real quick what we were talking about. Paul was in jail in Rome when he wrote the book of Philippians. The Philippian church was a little bit different than the church of Corinth. It was it was he had been 11 years before he had been uh, to this church. But he began he had the church not only just in his head, but he had the church in his heart, say in his heart. And he began to start, this is a letter of love. It's a letter of joy. It's a real genuine letter that he wrote 
to the church of uh, Philippi. But I want to start out with, uh, let me see, let's say 2.13, Philippians 2.13, if you didn't have that. He says, for it is God who is at work in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Say, God's at work. This work in you is a, a Greek word, and it actually is the English word of us being energy. In other words, there's energy. There's God at work in us. I'm not talking about this new age kind of thing. I'm talking about there is energy in the atmosphere. There is energy when God is at work at us. It's that word we get energy from, so God is working in us. Oh, come on. Does anybody feel like God's working in you? I don't know about you, but there's sometimes where I'm like, ooh, that's uncomfortable. Ooh, this is uncomfortable. And all these different things might happen. you got to know that God is at work in you. He's working some things out. Somebody needs to know that today, that he is working some things out on your behalf. Anybody going to receive that? You got to believe it and you got to be able to receive that. He's at work. God works in us so he can work. God works in us so he can work. See, you you guys have to be a flowing vessel. Okay? You have to be streams. He said out of the innermost being the Bible says flows rivers of what? Living water, fresh water. How many of you know if you just put water in a glass and you leave it there, it's going to get stale. Anybody ever had stale bread? How about you guys? You had any stale water at all? When we were in Israel, this was in 2000, Jackie, we were in Israel. There was a group of us. It was actually 12 pastors, and we went to Israel, and we got some water out of the Sea of Galilee and got some water out of the Jordan River, and that's what we used to baptize. I'll put some water in the baptism. And, um, and we were on the bus, and Pastor Lonnie, many of you know Pastor Lonnie and Diane Hansen. Lonnie had come up and did a marriage conference with us. Gosh, it's been a We've been here 17 years, huh? Wow, 10 years ago, 18 years would be it. So Pastor Lonnie, we, we were on the bus, right? And we're, we've been out, we've been going to different places. He gets on the bus and he opens up the bottle and he starts drinking it. And, I, and he looked at me and he goes, Phew. and it was out of the Jordan. I'm telling you, it was nasty looking water. It was nasty. It may be anointed, but it was nasty looking water. And he drank that. He drank that. Another thing too, sometime we'll have to get him come back up to a marriage ceremony. Um, but it was funny, but when he did that, he drank that water, and he was like, ooh. And then I said, hey, you, you're just, you, Jesus was baptized in the Jordan. You just baptized Jesus, <laughs> you know. So, but that water, that out of us flows rivers of living water. There's living water that flows out of us. God wants to work in you so he can work through you. In you so he can work. He wants to make an honorable vessel. A vessel that doesn't have cracks. Hello? A vessel that can hold. A vessel that is a vessel of honor so he can pour in you so you can he can go through you. When I think about some of the examples in the Bible, Moses. How many of you know Moses was 40 years in the desert? What was happening for 40 years? A lot of us want to come in and get saved and then just jump right into what God has for us. You know, we get delivered out of 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 drugs and then we want to go back and minister to the drug dealers and then six months later we're back buying and supplying oh come on somebody moses was being prepared 40 years for what he was getting ready to do 40 years i hope that's not 40 years for you right uh, I, but moses was being prepared there was some things that were being worked out in moses so god could begin to flow through him so be patient. Tell your neighbor, say, be patient. Tell them, they got to be patient. Tell them, you got to be a little patient. It, it's gonna, it's happening. Just let God do what he, let that energy, let the God work in you so he can begin to work through you. 
Think about Joseph when he was he was sold as slavery, right? He was sold in slavery. They threw him down in the pit first. And then they thought, well, get him out of the cistern. Let's sell him. You know, he's worth something. Delbert would know about value. He's got some value. So let's pull him out. You know what I mean? And then they sold him into slavery. And then he ended up in Potiphar's house. And there were some things getting worked out. He was an honorable man. He didn't bow down. He stood up. Uh, Potiphar's wife accused him wrongly. He was thrown in jail, not just a year. And he's talking to the baker and the cupbearer. And he's like, when you get out, tell them about me. You know what I mean? It's like they forgot all about it. Left the man in there. Come on. Two years later, he, you know, he finally gets out. And then all of a sudden, you look later, and he is an emperor, second in charge. The emperor of Egypt has given him, entrusted to him everything thing that was there. How many of you know God used Joseph in an amazing way, and God wants to use you in an amazing way? In the Philippians, we've seen how Paul, God is using Paul. He's, he's utilizing. Paul has gone through some stuff. I'm telling you, Paul's, Paul's life, he's gone through more pain, hurt, discouragement, been whipped, been beaten, been left for dead, more than any of us have ever done that. You might say, well, you know, it happened to me one time. Well, it's happened, it happened to him three different times. And it was like, I'm, I'm just thinking, what is he thinking? Why would he get back on a boat? If I, He's been shipwrecked three times. I was like, why would you even get back on the boat? Most of us would have said, nope, not taking that cruise. Not going to get on that boat again. Nope, not going to go in that. Nope, I'm going to fish from the shore. I'm not getting on a boat because every time he gets on a boat, it it crashes. Hello? So most of us haven't gone through what he's gone through. Many Christians today, many Christians today obey because of the pressure on the outside. We obey God because of the pressure on the outside. Yes? A lot of us, that's why we obey God. Well, because I'm supposed to and that's the way it's supposed to be. But how many of you know we need to obey God not because of the pressure on the outside, but what's taking place on the inside of us? Oh, are you getting this? See, a lot of times we want to conform and look like something. And we're obedient because of that. But God says, what's going on on the inside? I want to obey because of what's going on on the inside. Not because Shelly said, I need to wear something different. But I usually obey that too. Think about this, don't we? Christians try to do what the law says to do, and then we end up falling because of what the law says to do. Instead of obeying because the Holy Spirit lives on the inside of you, and he's leading you and guiding you and teaching you and comforting you. Come on, somebody. So we begin to, to look at this. So turn with me um, to Philippians 3. Let's, let's read through verses 1 through 13. Uh, chapter 3, Philippians Verses 1 through 13. Finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord. To write the same things again to you is no trouble to me, and it is a safeguard for you. Beware of the dogs. Beware of the evil workers. Beware of the false circumcision. Beware of the true circumcision. I'm I'm not going to unpack that today, but, you know, he's saying beware of these things. In that society, at that time, there were certain things taken care of or taken in place, and he's saying just watch out for those things. He says, Uh, who worship in the spirit of God and the glory of Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh. Okay, now those of you that are taking some notes, 
he begins something that we probably haven't noticed in there. Paul begins a self-evaluation. And a lot of us are like, I don't know. I don't want to do a self-evaluation. You know what happens when we do a self-evaluation? Usually two things happen. One, we don't see ourselves as we really are, and we think we're better than we really are. Hello? And the other thing is a lot of times we see ourselves worse than who we are. And I believe that's most of the Christian community. We don't see ourselves as children. You were talking about identity today. We don't see ourselves as children of the Most High God. We don't see ourselves as part of the family of God. We might think, well, because I messed up today or yesterday or two days ago, I had this terrible thought that all of a sudden I am uh, uh, exiled from the family. And how many of you know God loves you and he loves you continually and he loves you unconditionally. He loves you for who you are and where you are right now. And he loves you right where you are. Can I get an amen? Amen. And that's the thing we've got to let other people know, too, that in the midst of what's going on, we, if we evaluate ourselves, we'll say, I'm, I'm better than what I really am. The Bible says don't think of yourself more highly than you ought to. But most of the time, we don't really think that way. There are some people on some of the TV shows that I've seen, and we were watching some singing shows, and we're like, do they not know? <laughs> do they not know that they can't sing? You know what I mean? I know I can't sing. Hello? But it's like somebody needs to tell them that they can't sing. It doesn't work. You know, but a lot of times I just think they're just, Best thing since, you know, hot buttered toast or something. You know what I mean? So, you know, it's, it's that thing. It's like saying, okay. Or we think of ourselves as I'm nothing. And I'm here to tell you, you are something. You are something. So Paul is beginning to start this self-evaluation, evaluating himself. So I want you to listen through those, those that, that mindset, that understanding. He goes on and he says this. Although I myself might have confidence in the flesh. He's like, look, don't you have confidence in the, in the flesh? But I got confidence in myself, or I could have confidence in myself. He says, as far as, and far more. And then he goes on to begin to list just how legalistic Paul is. Are you with me? And here's what he says. Circumcised on the eighth day of the nation of Israel from the tribe of Benjamin. I'm adding the emphasis myself. A Hebrew of Hebrew as to the law, a Pharisee. Here's Paul. As to the zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to righteousness, which is in the law, found blameless. But whatever things were gained to me, those things I have counted as a loss for the sake of Christ. More than that, I count all things to be a loss in the view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and count them but rubbish that I may gain Christ. Verse 9, and may be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own derived from the law. Look at me just a minute. I just want to tell you guys, Paul as a Jew, as a Hebrew, as a Pharisee of Pharisee, was persecuting the church. And thought he was doing it for God. Hello? But he lived by the law. And now he's saying that righteousness, him being made in right standing, was only based off of the law. But he's saying, I've got a righteousness that's not based on the law. Are you with me? 
because he was one. He was educated by, uh, I think it's Gamil, and, and, he, and he was educated by him, and, and, and he was a Pharisee of Pharisees. In other words, he kept the law to the T. Are you with me? He came from the tribe of Benjamin, one of an honored tribe. He was a Hebrew. He was a Pharisee. He was a Jew of Jews. In other words, if he was in the law, he was the best at the law. Are you with me? He goes on and he says, he says, having a righteousness of my own derived from the law, but which through faith in Jesus Christ, the righteousness which comes from God on the basis of faith. Somebody say faith. So it's a righteousness, not from the law. It's on the faith. We have to operate in the righteousness of God through faith in Christ Jesus, not through faith in the law. Can I get an amen for that? Oh, come on, somebody. That's weak. Somebody ought to be grateful for the faith that we have in Jesus Christ. Amen? So he goes on. Real quickly, I'm going to get to a place. He goes on and he says, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection the fellowship of his sufferings, being conformed to his death, in order that my, I may obtain the resurrection from the dead, not that I have already obtained it. He's still in the self-evaluation, right? Not that I've already attained it or become perfect. I press on. Say press on. I press on so that I may lay hold of that which also was laid hold of by Jesus Christ or by Christ Jesus. Brethren, I love it. I do not regard myself as having laid hold of it, yet one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and reaching forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. I'm going to stop there just a minute. I want to go back to verse 13. Everybody see it? Read it with me. One thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and reaching forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal. What in the world is he talking about? Have you, has anybody been hurt? Well, you don't even have to put up your hand. Everybody's been hurt here. Everybody has had issues in their past that have hurt them. Now, what he's trying to tell us to do, he says, one thing I do, forgetting. <laughs> I'm like... What? One thing I do, forgetting from what lies behind me. How many of you, I don't know about you, let me talk about me. I mean, I'm not talking about you. Let me talk about me. There's been some things in my past that have been hurtful. There's some things in my past that have been difficult. There's been some things in my past, and he's trying to tell me to forget about it? Ah, forget about it. I, I'm just saying, how's that work for you? Because it doesn't work for me. You know why? Because it's always there. Oh, come on, somebody. Let me give you an example. Uh, Rachel's with me, with us here today. And Rachel and a little girlfriend of hers from school, we were in the car, and we pulled up from, um, we pulled up outside by Sweets. You know what I'm talking about? Uh, Sweets? Does anybody, what is that road? Lakeview, Lakeside. There's that, that little gas station right there. I think it's called Sweets. So we're coming from Lakeview going to whatever direction that is. Yeah, thank you. Virginia had a conversation of how directionally challenged I was the other day. It was, it, was, it was the truth. So, hey, you know, the truth will set you free. So we pull up. Rachel, remember, we're sitting there. I'm in the front. The two girls are in the back. 
and I'm watching this guy come across. And he comes across and he comes to the middle of that lane. Does anybody know the intersection I'm talking about? He's coming across that lane, and I, and I look at it, and the girls are just having a good time back there. And all of a sudden, he pulls out, and I see the guy coming. I'm watching it. The guy pulls out. The guy's coming down the road. Boom. I was like, he's got him. Boom. He hits his vehicle. It spins all the way around and backs into the front of mine. Bam. I was like, he's got him. Boom. He's got me. Boom. Are you with me? thankful that it wasn't worse than what it was because when the car went down there I got out and went to see if he was okay and there was a little boy about two years old that was in the floorboard of that car I, I was mad I was mad I was like I wanted to grab him by the collar because he didn't have the boy secured in the car but he was okay we had some damage to the vehicle so here comes the officer if you guys could see it, it looked like that car was sitting, and I came up behind him and hit him, boom, and pushed him out, and then, boom, that other car hit him. As an officer began to look at it, he was putting two and two together, and I was sitting there. I was going, uh-oh, this is not good. So I got out, and I started sharing with him. He said, did you see it? I said, yes, sir. He said, did you hit him? And I said, no, he hit me. But I hit him in the rear end. Are you with me? His rear end came and hit me, so... How many of you know the law? The law says that if you rear-end somebody, it really doesn't matter whose fault it is. You've rear-ended them, but it was his fault. So the, what I'm saying is this. We have all have places where something has happened in our life, and that thing is still there every single time I go to that intersection. There's others. I could, I could look around the room. There's things that have happened at certain places, and that when you go by that place, it you, doesn't it? There is trauma attached to that. There's a stigma attached to that. And Paul is saying, "Ah, forget about it." And I'm thinking, how do I forget about it? Because every time I go to that intersection, every time I go to that person. Every time I hear that person's name, are you with me? You, we've all dealt with this stuff. Every time we hear certain things, all of a sudden there's a marker, there's an identifier, there's something that all of a sudden begins to say, do you remember that? Do you remember that? And that's the thing. When, when he's talking about forgetting about it, and when he talks about forgetting about it, here's what he really means. Mike, put this up for me. Forgetting doesn't mean the failure to remember. Forgetting does not mean the failure to remember. Because how many of you know you've tried and you've prayed and you've had difficult times, but that thing keeps coming back and it keeps coming back and it keeps coming back and it keeps coming back and you keep you you, you try to forget about it and people tell you to forget about it, but you can't forget about it. Because it hurt. It was painful. But what forgetting does is it means no longer being influenced. Are you with me? No longer being influenced or affected by that thing. When Paul is saying forget about it, is he qualified to say forget about your past? 
Well, Paul, what about the three times you were shipwrecked? What about when you were beaten and left for dead? What about when you were cold and you were naked and all these other things? I mean, and Paul is going, ah, forget about it. He's saying you may still have the memory of that thing, but he's saying don't let it affect you. And I had to consciously drive through that intersection again. I had to, I, I'm, I'm more careful. <laughs> Are you with me? It's no different than other things. And some of you know what I'm talking about. There's other things that have happened and where it's happened. And a lot of times we're avoiding it. I'm going to go around there. Listen, listen, we've done funerals here and I've had family members that we've invited to church and all their remembrance is the funeral. God wants to deal with some things. It shouldn't affect us anymore. It should be influenced. I don't want that thing to control me. I don't want that thing to affect me like it did. It affects me so bad that sometimes I can't sleep for days or you might not be able to think or, or all of a sudden you get upset and, and you're letting that thing which happened 10 years ago or 20 years ago or however long. It might have happened yesterday, but you can't let that thing continue to affect you and influence your decisions. If you do, then God's saying, I want to begin to heal that place. I want to begin to heal that place. I want to, to begin to bring that in. See, Hebrews 10, 17, put that up for me, Mike, if you will. Hebrews 10, 17, God says that their sins and iniquities, I will remember. I will remember. God says, God says, I didn't say it. He says, their sins and inequities, I will remember. Come on, everybody. No more. I didn't say it. He said it. He says, I will remember them no more. He was quoting Jeremiah as the Spirit of God was coming through Jeremiah. He was telling, God's not going to remember your sins and iniquities. Now, God wasn't suggesting that he's going to have a bad memory. He wasn't suggesting he's going to have a bad memory. But what he was saying is, I will no longer hold them against you because of Jesus. I point to the cross because that's where Jesus did his work. I will no longer hold that against you. So I'm able to drive through the intersection and fear doesn't come on like it does. Or if it begins to start to come on, I'm like, no, 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 no. I want to replace that memory with a better memory. Come on, somebody. I want to replace it with the Word of God. And those are the things that can hold us back, those things that we have remembrance of. God is saying their sins and iniquities no longer are going to affect their standing with me. Your sin or iniquity given to Christ no longer will affect his standing, your, your standing with him, nor will he let that influence or change his attitude towards you. Because some people got to know that God is a good God and he's good all the time. He's not just now I'm mad at somebody. He took the anger on the cross. He took judgment on the cross. If it's going to be judged, God, God is judging America. I'm telling you, we have made some decisions that things are going to happen if we don't change. But as far as 
judging and a lot of us as semantics. The cross he gave to Jesus Christ. Jesus took the final judgment for sin and iniquities on the cross. Did he or did he not? Did he or did he not? Mine and yours. See, what happens is Paul was saying, you break the power of the past by living in the present and the future. See, here's how we look at life. Most people look at life. Some, uh, I don't know. I don't know the percentages. We look at life, our past, present, and our, as Christians, as believers, we don't look at it that way. We shouldn't look at it that way. We should look at it this way. Our future, our present, and then our past. Come on, you've heard me preach. Your rearview mirror is smaller than your front windshield. Because he only wants you to glance at your rear. Glance at your past. Your future's ahead of you. Future's ahead. Come on, somebody. Your future's ahead of you. What he's saying is his past events didn't change. Your past events, they aren't going to change, but it's your understanding of them that can change. If you'll understand God and what he's wanting to do in and through us, then those events that have happened, God didn't cause those events to happen. We live in a fallen world. We have an enemy who steals, kills, and destroys. destroys. John 10.10 says that Jesus came to give us what? Life, and life more abundantly. If it's stealing, killing, and destroying, God's getting a bad rap. If it's stealing, killing, and destroying, it's not him. Your perfect theology ought to be looking at Jesus. So he goes and he says this. Go back to verse 13 real quick, Mike. One thing I do, forgetting what lies behind, reaching forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal. Forgetting, forgetting, forgetting what lies behind. Forgetting what lies behind. Hebrews ten seventeen. he said, the sins and iniquities I will remember no more. He's not suggesting you have a bad, he has a bad memory, but he's saying that I will no longer hold those sins against you. I'm going to have the worship team come on up. I think let's do something. Let's deal with some of this. Y'all want to deal with this? You all want me to just, you want me to just preach and put it under the rug? I want to do a prophetic act today. What we do is prophetically, I want to do something symbolically. And here's what I want to do. Terry, thank you for helping him. I'm going to ask them, come. They, this is a brand new song that you guys sang today about freedom. I'm going to ask them to do that. Is there something, I ask them to play that song. Is there something in your life that your past is still keeping you from your future? Is there something in your life that your past is keeping you from your future? Paul says to forget those things that are behind and press on. See, this isn't easy about pressing. First of all, I want to use this. This is not sharp. I just want you to know, if you're watching us on the Internet, somebody will be calling up the police or Obama or something and say, now i got a sword in the church. We do have the sword in the church, and the word of God is the sword. Come on, somebody. This is a sword. It's not sharp. Um, I won't cut your ear off. If I do, Pastor Virginia will pray and put it back on. Amen? I'm referring to the scripture where... 
What I want to do is I'm going I'm to invite you. They're going to play and they're going to sing. And let's just take a few minutes. I want to do something prophetically, symbolically. I'm going to ask you, we'll line up down this aisle here, not the side aisles. I want you to line up down this aisle. And wherever you're seated, you can come in. I want you to stand up here, and I'm going to do just like this on one side and just like that on the other. Are you with me? Why? I want to cut those things off. I want to ask God to deal with those memories that you may have of certain situations. There's some that may have been molested as a child or have been abused and beaten as a child or maybe even as an adult. Wrongly used and wrongly accused. And I'm here to tell you that God wants to cut those things off. Paul was talking about forget the former things, those things that were in, or the, in the past, forget the past, and just move, move ahead what's in the future. So I'm going to ask you to do that. I'm going to ask Virginia, if you will, come right over here, and I'm going to ask Shelly to be my, you guys are like Aaron and her. And uh, what I'm going to ask you to do is when I cut this off, then depending on where you sit, I'm going to ask you to go to that person and she's going to bless you. Or if you want to anoint him with oil. Richard, will you get a couple of those oils over there? She'll anoint you with oil. How many of you know you're being anointed? Virginia has done this a couple of weeks ago. And if, if, if we want you to be anointed, if you just want to be blessed, they're going to bless. They're not going to, they're not going to, this is not a counseling time. All right? They're just going to pray over you or bless you in the name of Jesus. So I'm going to have you guys play, and I want to do that. So I want to, let's forget about what lies behind. What's, what have you had? What, is, what, have, what issues have been in your life that you're saying, you know what, I need to get over this. I need to get through this. Let's move into this 2016, this new year. Let's move into this new year free and clear. So we're just, we're just going to do this, and you guys just worship. Please worship.